We are joined today by Trista Anderson. And now, Trista, let's start from the beginning. Um, Explain to me, did you grow up in this movement or is this something you joined later on? So this movement, I joined um, early in my teen years when my parents kind of became a, members of a different church group that when we separated from kind of made it was like a big turning point in our lives and so we kind of joined a different community that was um kind of led this way so interesting so how old were you you said teens are we talking like early teens mid-teens 12 i was 12 when um we first started all of this i think i was like turning 13 ish so it was like between 12 and 13 that all of this took place sure sure so what was your family's kind of religious church background before then so um as a child myself uh we kind of started out lutheran and then um it turned to more like a charismatic pentecostal background Mm -hmm. um which is where we were when we left that whole setup so okay so you're kind of charismatic pentecostal and then you join this new ultra conservative (laughs) okay sure tell me more about that was this an actual church was it a home church it was a home Uh, church it was a small group of other people that had left the mainstream churches um and then later on as like within the first i want to say the first year we were Mm -hmm. selling our houses and all joining together as a community so it was like this really small community we ended up living way up in northern minnesota in the middle of nowhere (laughs) wow wow so did you all buy houses then together or did you all live in like one place one house no it was um they bought a property so like a large piece of land and started building like small cabins okay that property interesting so did you get to to own your cabin or was it more like we're building this as a community we're all pitching in um yeah it was supposed to be um it was supposed to be at everybody's. So I believe that, you know, the financial aspects of all of it were a little bit kind of wonky. Um, but no, we didn't own our own cabin. Nobody had their own piece of land. You know, it's like it all mm-hmm. belonged to the community. So like if you left, it wasn't yours. It was the community. So it stayed there. The only thing that moved with you was your own personal property. There was a time, a short time that for a while there, there was like trying to make everything community. So it was like all the money that got made was community, all of everything. And then they would divide it out. Um, that didn't go so well. <laughs> okay. So, so you're all living community, but you still get to go work outside of the community, make your own money. Yes and no. It was always tried to be done as like community, community as much as possible. So like all the men, we called them the brothers. 
Interesting. Okay. The brothers and the sisters and um, all the brothers were, you know, would go and try to get work. Sometimes they would get work alone, but a lot of times it was um, a couple of them would get a job or several of them together. Um, yeah. So, so, so you've got men working. Were the women working at this point? No, not at all. So, um, before this, my mom was already a stay at home mom. Um, -hmm. she just, she worked before that. She was able to stay at home. So it wasn't like, uh, it's not like it was a cultural belief that she couldn't work. Um, it was more of a privilege to be able to stay at home at the time. Um, some of the other women in the community, had come from the stay-at-home background where women just didn't work. Others of them um, had jobs, I think, in the past, but just weren't working at the time. Um, so when the community um, was, you know, started, I don't think that I can recall, I don't think any of the women were working already. Most of their stay-at-home moms just because they wanted to be or because that was their original background. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. okay, so tell me, so you're a teenager at this point. Now, this community, were they telling other, you know, young women that didn't have kids, maybe just graduated high school, that they also should not pursue, like, a career, should maybe find someone to get married? How did that kind of work in it? So that was like a really interesting situation with with all of us because, I mean, myself personally, I always had this, like, from a very small child, I was always the kind that, like, I wanted to grow up and get married and have kids. That was my biggest goal in life. Um I went through a time in elementary school, later elementary school, where I was uh, really wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, I've always loved animals and stuff and had to do some research on it and uh, decided I didn't want to go to school for that long. So, but I always had in mind, though, that I would have some kind of career. I just wasn't at an age yet to really have an idea of what I really wanted to do for sure. Um, mm-hmm. When we joined the community... While in some ways we were encouraged to like, oh, yeah, you should be like thinking about just growing up and getting married. It was kind of not even that we weren't allowed to really work outside the home like it wasn't even thought of. We were homeschooled, went from being public schooled to being homeschooled. Um, It was anti-public school, very anti-government even anti almost anti-education because well we're just going to stay at home anyways so why do we need to learn all of this um that's the way that us youth felt and that's what the brothers actually encouraged so like a lot of the other women like my mom and some of the other women in the group they tried very hard to make sure that we got some education Um, But I only went through partway through 10th grade. I don't think I even finished 10th grade. And then I got my GED a couple years later. Um, 
but it was always more of a, you're going to just stay home with your parents. It wasn't even any time any mention of moving on beyond the family itself was mentioned. It was like, raise all hellfire. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it because sure. we were so isolated. It was almost all girls on our property. And to be able to, you know, certain things happened early on that were extremely not okay. And they decided that we shouldn't even be thinking about getting married or be interested in guys at all because um, we're never going to live that long because the world is going to end before then. Well, here I am, 35 years old, and the world has <laughs> not ended yet. <laughs> okay, so when you said it was mostly girls, did you guys have, like, segregated living then? Or was it just that those were the people that kind of were drawn to this? Just the people that were there. Um, we only had a couple of other families that came uh, that had young men in mm -hmm. their families already and they never stuck around. I only had one, we only had like one other family that didn't live on our property that had mm -hmm. a couple of guys that I grew up getting to know and just, you know, being pretty close with, but that really affected me later in life. So it's just kind of a, one of those things trying to learn how to deal with a uh, normal society after growing up so so sheltered mm -hmm. so how would ha how would dating have happened was there any dating going on no at this okay so and that so, go ahead so what that was supposed to look like from my understanding and from what happened like with me personally because i got married during my living on this community and stuff um we weren't allowed to date at all we didn't even court really um so what was supposed to happen was if a guy had an interest in one of the girls he had to go to the elder and ask the elder for permission to marry her then the elder would go to the girl and ask her if she was willing to and then the girl had to give an answer of yes or no, you know, if she was willing to or not, before anybody else knew anything about it. And so um, once the girl answered, if she said no, nobody else was supposed to know about it at all. End of story, period, like as if it never happened. If she said yes, then the elder would go to the girl's dad and to her parents and get permission from her parents. Once her parents gave permission, then it would be announced to the church that they were engaged. Okay, so you've got basically the first time people are even hearing about this relationship, you're engaged, you're getting married. Yep, exactly. So there's not really a dating time. No dating, no getting time. to know this person. I mean, unless you somehow miraculously grew up with this person, which didn't happen on our community because we just didn't have that many people. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Would this be people only within the community that you would be interested in? Or did others kind of try to find people sometimes from outside and bring them in? 
So I know there was other people from outside that intentionally came because they liked our standards. Um, and it was fairly late on. I mean, it was like my best friend and I were both like 18, 19 years old already and finally realized that the men were pretty much doing everything they could to sabotage any chance of us getting to know anybody before we even would have had a chance to because nobody was ever going to be good enough. <laughs> um, but in our like declaration of faith sort of pamphlet rules of our community thing, the person had to be a member of our community for it to even supposed to have been okay. Now, in my case, that didn't end up being the case because for some reason they let a lot of things slide. So um, I'm not quite sure exactly how that happened, except for that I know the leader of the community was strongly involved mm -hmm. with this person. So, so, so tell me about, yes, tell me about how you, you ended up finding someone. Because you, you hinted that it was from outside of the community. How did yeah. that work? So what happened with that is this man had met the leader of our community through, at a different church and decided that he wanted to get to know our community better and stuff. And so this all like came from him. The story is kind of a really awkward one. So it's like... Um, I had reached a point in my life where because of how I had grown up, um, you know, I didn't, I was allowed to work outside the home once, but it was where we were, um, it was where some of the other brothers were already working. So like we were like helping do the cleanup after their construction, basically. So um this guy ends up on the land. This is once we had moved to Alaska and he ends up up on our property. And I had already come to a point in my life where I was just like, you know, I just want to get to know the Lord more. I'm just really, I was going through a really hard time. We were going through a lot of people leaving our community and just, it was just a really tough time for me. And I had for the first time, like in my whole life was trying not to really be interested in getting married. Mm -hmm. I just wanted some time to myself. And so I get, this guy comes on the land and I like looked at him and I'm like, oh no, not this. Nope, nope. He's 15 years older than me. And I was not interested in him in any way, shape or form. Like not. At mm -hmm. Well, come to find out three months later, I think it was three, four months later the elder of the church comes to me and tells me that this guy wants to marry me. Wow. Okay. And that it's a matter of salvation. Oh, so if you don't marry him, you're not a Christian. You can't be. The way I took it as a 19 year old being told that this is the first time I've ever had anybody show really much in like any interest in me at all. I mean, even the guy that I grew up with and loved seriously for many years um, wasn't open about it, you know? Um, so it was like, 
I looked at it and I'm like, okay, so don't take too long in making your decision because this is a matter of salvation. To my 19-year-old brain that is doing everything that I can to simply follow the Lord, I took that as, okay, if I say no and he chooses to leave the Lord because I knew he was a struggling young Christian. Mm-hmm. If he chooses to leave the Lord, then it's my fault. Okay. So not so much that you have to marry him to, to be saved, but more to save, that him. It, to save him. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah. at this point, he's not a part of your community. No. Now if he marries you. Is that instant community? No. So technically he was supposed to become a member of the community before we got married. I honestly don't really know why that didn't happen, except for that because there was so much chaos happening at the time amongst the whole church members and everything. It was a mess. Um, they just kept putting off the, because in order to become a member of our community you had to go through the book of all of our rules and stuff with the elders and like basically promise to abide by them and be water baptized Mm -hmm. if you hadn't been previously and so um somehow they managed to decide that even though he hadn't gone through what we called the confessions of faith um they were just going to let it go and as soon as possible complete that. Um, it ended up being so, I still, <laughs> I still remember. So when that got asked of me, I was like, I don't want to marry him. I have absolutely no interest in him whatsoever. Like <laughs> zilch. Actually, he drove me nuts because he's a totally different personality. <laughs> And so <laughs> I um I was like I don't want to I don't have any desire even to get married at this time and it's not who I want to marry if I do you know I'm extremely music oriented and stuff the guy can't sing to save his life and <laughs> I mean not to say anything bad but you know it's just like seriously he knows it <laughs> But I was like, for me, that was a big thing. And I finally just was like, you know, I'll say yes, because, well, Lord, if it's not your will, get me out of it, please. That was my response. (laughs) So I came back and I was like, yes, but if God doesn't want me to, maybe something will happen that will stop this whole thing. This whole mess, right? So Then they went to my dad and my dad comes to me and he's like, why are you doing this? Because my mom and I were having a lot of problems at the time. He thought that I was doing it to get away from the home because I just wanted to be away from mom. So, so let's think about this. So you're not, you're, are you encouraged to not move out? You know, you start having some kind of struggles with your mom. You're a little older. supposed to move out. We weren't sure. supposed to move out until we were married. Mm-hmm. So but you got to figure. We weren't supposed to get married. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be there for a pretty long time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're having struggles with your mom. So moving out's not an option. So your dad is going to kind of have a conversation with you. So he thinks that I'm moving out because I'm trying to get away from my mom, mm-hmm. which wasn't the case at all. And I told him he didn't believe me. So somehow it all got approved. Somehow they decided to say yes. And I don't know if it's just because they know that I'm so sheerly stubborn that um, I wouldn't have allowed them to say no. <laughs> I don't know. But I remember, though, hoping and wishing that my dad would have said no that first time, that he would have done something right away then and there to say, no, this isn't going to happen. But then, you know, two weeks later, when he finally made his choice, I was ready, you know, beyond that. So <laughs> so did your dad sense that that there were some, you know, hesitations from you? Or I straight you- out had told him and he didn't believe me. Okay, so he thinks she's just a little nervous. This is the right thing to do still. He thought that I wasn't being honest with him, basically. Mm-hmm. So I really would like to know what the whole thing is behind that, but I don't know that pushing it would be a good idea. <laughs> so your relationship with your parents and kind of this whole movement, how would you say that if that affected your relationship with your mom and your dad? There was, there's always been a lot of tension between my mom and I. Um, The whole movement, I would say actually increased that tension because my mom didn't go along with a lot of what was said. She was pretty strongly against a lot of it, whereas my dad kind of like more of a go with the flow sort of thing. And so me being pretty close to my dad, as far as like, I felt like, I felt like I could, you know, kind of daddy's girl sort of a thing going on there. And knowing that she was against it just made it more, like just more friction between her and I, because I always felt like, well, she's against everybody that matters to me. She's against everything that matters to me. And I've always been kind of an old-fashioned um, soul. <laughs> you know, it's like my sisters and I grew up wishing that we grew up in the Old West. I mean, <laughs> you know, so it's like this is like our dream you know it's like I spent most of my teen years studying midwifery and hoping I could figure out all of the ancient lost arts of every sort of kind of handiwork I can possibly have dug out of the grave and wonder why they all um hit it well yeah now I know know, if you don't have to make your own broom don't do it (laughs) sure I'm not going to even attempt to make my own broom. It's not really on my list. <laughs> I've done it before. So. <laughs> okay, so when you said your mom, so did your mom have hesitations about the whole compound living? Was it just some of the more conservative ideas or, you know, particularly stay-at-home daughter ideas? What were her reservations with the belief system? I think all of it. Um, The belief system was very anti-woman. I don't even know how to put into words how 
strongly the women were oppressed. And mm-hmm. so um, she was not a big fan of any of that. She is much more outspoken um, and not afraid to speak her mind. And that kind of gets into a lot of trouble in those sort of cults. Because <laughs> that's literally what it is. Um, you know, it's, it's just like she had reservations from the very get-go because, I mean, we were told right away from huh, practically day one that we had to start wearing long dresses and head coverings. And so, I mean, I was still going to public school when I started wearing a full head covering and a long dress, and I did it of my own free will, but I had also been, you know, I was also very open to different cultures and stuff. My mom had a lot harder time with it because um, not so much, not because of the whole modesty thing. She always pushed on us from very young about not, you know, just flaunting our body out and whatever. She already had a very moral belief system. So, I mean, to her, I think this was just like, I think she saw it for what it was right away and mm-hmm. struggled with not having the authority to do anything about it. So was it your your dad's idea or your mom's idea to join the community? Um, did, 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 as far as I know, I think it would have my dad's. Okay, sure. Um. So did your mom ever encourage you to become more independent? You know, maybe go get your own place, kind of start a life on your own. Or was that not something you guys talked about? No. Um, It's not even something we talked about, really. It wasn't really an option. I mean, the only time I know she was always there to stand up for me and things got too strict clothing wise and stuff where it was like, I told her one time I was like, (laughs) I could dress in a paper sack and I still wouldn't be modest enough. Mm, And so she totally got it. And I knew that she understood that sort of thing. But as far as like going out, getting a job, um, other school, she was always very supportive of school. Um, We wouldn't have had the funding for me to do anything. And they wouldn't have, you know, I remember when I was in my later teens, I wanted to study midwifery. I had found a college or a school that I had wanted to go to and did an extensive amount of research on it to make sure that it was actually the one I wanted to do. And they let me do all of that research and stuff, but it was always like, how can I say it? It was like, I always knew I could do the research and stuff, but there, I was never going to actually be able to go. So it was like, even though I was allowed to research that there mm-hmm. wasn't the encouragement of anybody going like oh hey you know if this is something you really want to do then we'd support you or what do you need to do to make this happen so that this can happen no sure. it was more like oh yeah go ahead and get excited about it but it's never going to happen sort of a thing okay so so you didn't ask or you know come to your parents and say i want to go to this school you more did a bunch a bunch of research talked about it but never actually sat down and had that conversation no uh, and they wouldn't have encouraged you to proceed any further 
I honestly don't know at this point. I really doubt it just because it's like, it was just so, um, I think a lot of it was financial issues. Sure. But the fact is now that, you know, I'm going to school now and I know what's out there and stuff. I think, I think had we been more open to financial aid, which they wouldn't have been open to anyways, mm-hmm. then there wouldn't have been that financial strain either of, oh, well, maybe you can't even go. I honestly don't know if I would have asked to actually go and we had the money. I don't think they would have let me go anyways, but who knows? You don't know if it was a financial thing or more of a, you know, we don't want you leaving the house because you stay right. with us. Well, I know sure. financially we didn't have it. End of story. I know that. But beyond that, I don't know if we if we had had the finances, I don't know if they would have let me or not anyways. Okay, sure. So let's go back to now you're engaged to this guy. How how much time do you have between engagement and marriage? Well, for that, we actually pushed for it to be earlier than what my parents wanted. My mom wanted me to wait and have it be longer and wait until like the fall or winter so that we could invite people and this and that. I had, I saw absolutely no reason for that because I'm like. Time or what time is this that time of year that you're engaged? We were engaged in the spring. It was um, April, I think. And we okay. were married in July. Sure. Okay. So your mom's thinking, let's wait. Your dad's thinking. I don't know what my dad was thinking. I <laughs> I don't know if I even talked to him much after that. Because the thing is, is that this is the other thing with being engaged. Prior to this, we both lived at the elder's house in a different town because I was tutoring the elder's kids. Uh, okay, and so his you... wife wasn't a member of our community, so she didn't, her and the kids didn't live on our property. Okay, so, okay, so back up. So you're living, in so you're not parents anymore. I am half living with my parents and half not. So I would okay. go during the week, I would go tutor the kids, and then on the weekends, I would come home. Okay, so you're tutoring this guy's kids, but his wife doesn't get to live there. So this guy's kids live with his wife. Okay, okay. And then, okay, so you're living with his wife. Mm-hmm. And their kids. And he's, he's living back at the community. Yep. Okay. Sounds a little... He went back and forth. This was a very weird relationship, very weird everything. So um, I was allowed to go and tutor the kids because I wanted to. Um, and they needed somebody to tutor them. And so I did the tutoring. And during this time, while I stayed in their oldest daughter with their oldest daughter in her room, the guy that... Mario... He lived upstairs. He didn't have his own place at the time, and that's he was living with the elders' family. And is Mario your fiancé? Yeah, fiancé. Yeah. Sure. 
So okay. we, that was whole fine and dandy, right? Right. Until we're engaged. Oh, then he's got to go somewhere else. Sure. So he went to live on the property, and I stayed in Anchorage. So very strict very standard. Very strict. You're never allowed to be alone together, ever. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, always had to have a chaperone. And so I got to see him once every two weekends. Okay. So how would you say that affected your kind of relationship as you're working to develop a relationship with this guy and you're seeing him every other weekend and that's not even times when you can be alone. Yeah. Um. It affected a lot because I didn't know this guy. I mean, we had the very first time we had met even like ever was that November. So, I mean, we had only known him like four months before he asked to marry me. Um, I didn't know him because I wasn't, you know, I didn't live at the, at the elder's house until that February mm -hmm. when I had started tutoring the kids. Cause I started tutoring them partway through the school year. And even then he was only home on the, you know, in the evenings after he got home from work and I avoided him because he drove me nuts. So, I mean, it's like before he asked to marry him, I didn't know him. After he asked to marry me, okay. um, I got to know him even less because he slept half the time while I was there, even though half the weekends that I was there. So, um, it was like we got married and literally did not know anything about each other. Okay. You get married. Now, at this point, are you staying with the community or are you guys going off on your own and kind of starting your little bit more independent? He wanted to because he wasn't from this community lifestyle and mm -hmm. he would have rather. But because of my upbringing and stuff, I wasn't comfortable moving off of the community property. Sure. Okay. And so he decided to go ahead and just stay on the property. Hindsight, we would have been a lot better off moving off. It would have mm -hmm. changed a lot. Um, but we ended up living there on the property in our own little apartment. Um, the first three months, his mom lived with us. Oh, okay. That was really interesting. Especially because she only speaks Spanish and I didn't speak Spanish at that time. <laughs> Sounds like some communication issues for sure. <laughs> Major communication issues. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it affected the way I thought about entering into a family relationship. Um, just a lot of things. And so, I don't know. Would you say you were prepared for, you know, obviously you're, you're married, so you do have somebody else with you, but you've lived with, you know, other people so you've moved in now. Would you say it was pretty easy for you to kind of adapt to the basic life, life um, skills that you needed on your own? You know, paying bills, cell phone, just keeping up kind of your, those things that you need to do when you're living on your own that you wouldn't need to do when you're living with your parents. How was that process? So um, 
because everything was so community based, the whole situation with having to um, pay bills and all of that really wasn't an issue at the time. Um, even being around, like having other people around stuff because of living on the community, you know, at the community still, I still had tons of help, other younger youth that were still around that weren't married yet, you know, um, not a whole lot of support from the adult community just because there wasn't, there was just a huge gap. It was like everybody was my mom's age and older or my age and younger. So there wasn't really like a young adult group, you know, to just kind of fit in with. Sure. Okay. So just kind of the age, the ages of the people you were with was a little difficult to navigate. Right. Well, and then, you know, trying to, trying to, I think the thing that was hardest for me was culturally, because I grew up, I'm a very independent person already the way it is. Now, let's talk a little bit about your clothing at this point, because you mentioned something before where basically you said, even if I wear like a a paper bag or something, it's not going to be okay. (laughs) Um, So what are your clothing restrictions and how does that kind of affect your, your lifestyle? Can you go outside? Can you be active with those restrictions? Can you swim? Can you hike? Um, tell me more about that. (laughs) Okay. So, um, growing up basically, you know, from 12 years old, wearing a dress, you learn. And we, our community was in the woods. Um, we did everything in our dresses. I was very particular with making sure that my skirts were wide enough to be able to run in without, you know, mm-hmm. ripping the hems or the seams or whatever. Um, and because I had very, I was, I'm an odd person. <laughs> I went through so many different changes of what I was, what I would wear and what I would allow myself to wear and what was okay to wear. I went from being ultra, ultra, ultra conservative, just of my own free will to being much less so. So by the t- by this time, I'm in my older teens, and I was much less conservative. And then marrying somebody who wasn't from the community at all, he didn't actually even have a problem with if I wanted to wear pants or not. And I refused to because that went completely against what I believed at the time. Um, so some, just, you were taught some of these things, and then you grew up with them, and then you're like... I, I don't want, like, I can't do this. I can't wear the pants or whatever, even if you think. Yeah, okay. it was something that was very heavily ingrained in my mentality. Like, mm-hmm. he would have been okay with me taking off the head covering as long as I'm at home. Um, me wearing pants around the house and stuff like that, because that's not how he grew up and he didn't see anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, because that's how I was raised to believe that that's what was right. I was very strict about what I would allow. So that didn't really change as far as like what happened, you know, once I got married or not. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later when I started separating from 
that that I started changing the way I dress and stuff. And that was actually ended up being really recently. So. Sure. Okay. Okay. So growing up, were there certain activities that were considered more womanly activities and then some more manly? Like I'm thinking of just even running a chainsaw, you know, maybe changing oil in your car or was it a little bit looser where it's, it's okay. You can do some of the man's, you know, what we would, or some groups would consider man's work. Um, I think since the women were expected to stay on the property pretty much, um, with exception of going out to do laundry or grocery shop, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of working outside of like general household stuff like we the men brought the water that was mainly for the reason that because of some of the cultural mixtures that we had at you know in our community um the women weren't supposed to do heavy lifting so because we used full um milk cans we mm-hmm. used um, metal milk cans and large um like camping jugs the big blue ones and stuff for our water taking mm-hmm. it from the well to the ca- to the cabins and stuff the men were pretty much only allowed to do that if they caught one of us doing it yeah we got in trouble um, <laughs> but sure. it helped out like us youth helped out with the splitting of wood um and carrying in wood and stuff the men did pretty much anything machinery related um mm-hmm. So it wasn't so separated as long as, as long as it wasn't like heavy lifting, we weren't supposed to do. Growing up and kind of having, you know, your, your parents and it sounds like the elders, even of your community making decisions for you, was there a point when you were able to start making decisions on your own? How did that process go? That's really challenging. I would say that I think a lot a lot of that because the community, the elders took a lot of authority in this situation. And so it was after I got married that actually that I started finding myself butting up against a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Making deci- you know, decision making um Things like that because the elders believed that they had more authority over me than my husband did. Mm-hmm. And so because he wasn't a member of the church and stuff, I mean, there was several occasions where they would call me to a members meeting and not tell him where I was. And okay. I'd go not knowing that he didn't know. And then I'd end up, you know getting barked at by him because where on earth have you been? I've been looking for you. And oh, I was in a members meeting. Didn't you know? No, nobody told me. Oh, well, we don't have to tell you because we have more authority over your wife than you do. And so like making those sort of, it started affecting our relationship a lot, like our family relationship, Mm -hmm. whereas he would have been okay with me going out and getting a job that wasn't really, you know, 
it was okay as long as it was someplace that was approved, you know, or doing something that was approved. Um, mm -hmm. Like shortly after uh, we got married, I started, actually shortly before even, I had started doing some house cleaning for some neighbors and just randomly. And then shortly after that, I started doing house cleaning for another person where, again, some of the brothers had found out about because they were doing construction for this person. So we started mm -hmm. doing house cleaning there. And then I started working for a lady that had a house cleaning company. What repercussions that took as far as um, what everybody else thought about it, I honestly don't know because my husband would have fielded those because he was okay with it. And so if he dealt with any sort of um, negative response, which I would not be surprised if he did, it was unknown to me. Interesting. So, so you've left your, you know, left your parents, married your husband. Um, is it safe to say that your husband has a lot of decision-making kind of in this relationship now that you have? Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Because, um, and that's because when things would have first started with being, you know, more of a, more of an equal relationship, it was really pretty quickly enforced upon him by the elders of the community that what he was allowing me to do wasn't okay. He was fine with me taking care of paying the bills, you know, mm -hmm. making sure our finances were in order, doing the grocery shopping, doing whatever. All of a sudden, I find out that I'm not allowed to pay the bills now because that's because the women shouldn't be in charge of the finances. Okay, sure. So this wasn't even necessarily him. This was no. more the elders. The elders. Yeah. Um, so we, we've kind of obviously talked about this a little bit. How do you feel now about kind of the religious philosophy that drives the stay-at-home daughter movement? Or maybe explain me a little more about what, what you think that philosophy is, you know, where people get it from, you should stay under your father's authority and then move to your husband's, um, kind of where, where you think those ideas come from and what your thoughts are on those. So for me, um, I've lived with several different cultures now. I mean, the culture of the people that I grew up with on this land were Russian Ukrainians from mostly from Eastern Russia um, and Southern Eastern and Ukraine and Ukraine um, and they had a very a lot of cultural influence in their religious beliefs um, a lot of what we believed was derived from their culture and then it was mixed together with some of the other members who came from a slightly more like conservative like a con more conservative christian background uh, i want to say kind of similar to mennonite type but not mennonite mm -hmm. um and so just 
with my knowledge of cultures and studying the Bible, which we did so much of, I feel like a lot of the philosophy behind this teaching comes from an old culture, uh, Old Testament cultural bias. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing an Old Testament cultural, you know, history type stuff, and even look at that area of the world right now, still even, you're still going to, you're still even going to see a lot of those tendencies, a lot of the, um, a lot of oppression of women, a lot of the more women have a certain place in society and that's the only place they belong. And when we as a culture try to take on other cultures, I think that's where we start seeing a lot of the problems start happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's where, you know, I kind of see that now stepping back. There's been a lot, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of ups and downs, different things that we believed. I mean, shortly after our community, um, shortly after I got married, our community broke up pretty badly. And we ended up with polygamy brought in. Interesting. Okay. Community. And there was only three families left. Mine was one of them. Wow. And um, right after polygamy got brought in and the community broke up, the remaining elder brought in, which happened to be the one that asked me to, you know, that basically the guy that I followed, um, he also brought in a very strongly heavy Messianic Jewish Mm, belief system with it. And so that's where I was able to start seeing a lot of the connection between culture and Old Testament beliefs and all of that. And I feel like a lot of this stay-at-home daughter movement and even stay-at-home woman, whatever you want to call it, where just, you know, the woman has her place and that's it, a lot of it is stemmed from that culture. And a lot of Christians want to shy away from that. A lot of Christians want to be like, oh, well, you can't, you know, just say that this particular teaching in the Bible is just culture. And so you don't have to pay attention to it. Um, Hello, people. It is culture. It is exactly what it is. It is not mm-hmm. fundamental beliefs. It is culture. And every culture has their own ways. Mm-hmm. You try to bring in a way of a culture into another culture, you're going to see a backlash. Mm-hmm. So now do you feel like, um, so, so say, you know, cause you, you mentioned multiple times that there's other cultures that have, you know, these kind of stay at home woman ideas. Do you think they have the same almost negative effects that it had on, you know, trying to move that into your culture? I think it depends on I think it depends on the culture itself. I think it depends on why the culture is the way the culture is. I look at that in the aspect of polygamy, for example. A lot of people are straight directly polygamy is sin, polygamy is wrong, yada yada, whatever. A lot of other people are the complete opposite. There's nothing wrong whatsoever with polygamy. Um and 
whatever, you know, believe me, I lived through it for 11 years. I know both sides. <laughs> and a polygamous relationship at some yes. point. Okay. Yeah. So talk about how that worked. Um, about two years after, uh, actually about a year after we were married, this polygamy doctrine came in, um, because of some, excuse me, I was basically told that the only way to save my marriage, which was awful already to begin with, Mm -hmm. um, we, I was told that the only way to save my marriage was to have another wife in it. And I got sick and tired of listening to my ex come home drunk. Well, my husband at the time come home drunk, telling me how much better this other sister on the land was than I was. And since she happened to be a friend of mine, I was like, well, might as well let her be part of the family. Sure. So you're like, I'm better off to have somebody that's, you know, a friend and I know. Exactly. Right. Sure. Sure. And then I wouldn't have figured I wouldn't have to put up with listening to that anymore. It just made it worse for your information. But um, yeah, and I think I think that goes to actually speak a lot on the whole thing because the polygamy part was brought in to try to bring us women under more submission. I mean, the whole thing was in fight of the Jezebel spirit. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's why it was brought in. That's the same idea of, you know, a woman kind of submitting as much as she can to her father. And then we've got the husband and now we've got multiple women so that it can even be more. um, Right. And we were supposed to be able to somehow represent the church better if we had more women in the house. Okay. So how many years were you in that polygamous relationship then? 11, I believe it was. Okay. And was there a break, a clean break from that, you know, and your husband at the same time? Or was it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, So would you consider yourself still then a, a Christian or where are your beliefs kind of now since, since you've, it sounds like you've left a lot of the stay-at-home daughter ideas um, or do you still have some of the same ideas from the stay-at-home daughter (laughs) not at all no actually um yes I am still a Christian um that's one thing that makes me really sad is to see how much it affects people coming out of it and how you know how much they've been hurt you know some some women have been hurt so badly because of the abuse that's tolerated in these some of these movements and I'm not going to say that all of them are like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if most of them are very abusive. And um, so, no, I am still a Christian. It has been a kind of a battle for me to be able to try to sift through um, what I believe, what I don't believe, why I believe what I believe, because mm-hmm. it had it had just been so indoctrinated in me that this is just, we do it because we do it. And even though I've always been very much so a person where it's like, I like to know why I'm doing something and Mm -hmm. I could still find biblical backup for a lot of things that doesn't make it right. That doesn't Mm -hmm. make it mean that I have to do it today. 
Um, so to try to work through that in my heart um, and pull off the guilt and be able to realize who God really is as a person, I think, I want to say, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest mm -hmm. challenge has been for me to learn to see God as a loving father. Mm -hmm. as a loving male figure in my life because of dealing with now, you know, having worked through all of these things, recognizing the abuse that was going on in the community, recognizing the, the manipulation, the emotional manipulation, the mental manipulation, the spiritual manipulation, mm -hmm. um, being constantly told that you're not if you do something wrong, then you're going to hell, basically. Mm -hmm. um, living, going from a fear relationship with God to a relationship that you know that, you know, he loves you because he does love you. You know, <laughs> it's like he, sure. he didn't love you because you're good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, and to just be able to see God that way, it's... I would say that's probably the hardest thing that I've had to deal with in all of this. So for people who are, okay, so two, two questions and then we'll be, I think closer to reaching the end. Um, how do you define the stay at home daughter movement? Cause I know a lot of people will be, they'll say, well, I'm, they'll say they're either not a part of it or maybe they have kind of their own definition. So when people say, you know, I, I'm a stay at home daughter or, I really resonate with those ideas. What do you think that philosophy is in a short nutshell? Oh, for me, I would say a stay-at-home daughter is somebody that is being raised to take a very conservative place in her home and mm -hmm. basically being raised to be a wife and a mom. That Okay. Now, what would you say to somebody who maybe has heard some of these ideas from the stay at home daughter movement. And they're kind of thinking, you know what, that kind of makes sense. I think that I may want to raise my daughters that way because now they're not going to go out. And I've heard a lot of different reasoning behind it, but now they're not going to go out into the world and, get, you know, be surrounded by things that could be dangerous for them. How, what words would you have for them? <laughs> First word, run. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can say, in my opinion, from my experience, as a woman and as a mom of seven kids that is now single and trying to make things work on my own, and actually having seen so many people grow up in this, um, you're not doing your children any favors mm -hmm. because that's not how our society works neglecting their education because you think their life is going to go a certain way is hurting them in the long run. Keeping mm -hmm. them from society because you think it's going to keep them from going to the world is going to do the entire opposite because by nature, we as people are not that close-minded. We want to know what's out there. And the moment that they can get the slightest chance of freedom, they're going to run for it. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen time and time and time again. And people wonder constantly, why are we losing our youth? Why are we losing our youth? It, well, it's because you're restricting them so much they can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Youth by nature are curious. They want to know what's going on. They want to know both sides. And I've been very straightforward with my own parents about that because my youngest sister is the same age as my second daughter. So my youngest sister is 13, and um, she was previously homeschooled. And I'm not entirely against homeschooling. Um, I think it depends on what viewpoint you take on it. But Mm -hmm. her as a person, knowing her personality, she needs to be with more people. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard that statement even from, you know, my father recently where it's like, well, I don't like having to deal with all this drama from the school and stuff. And I looked at I said, you're not going to do her any favors trying to Mm -hmm. save her from the drama, trying to save her from having to deal with same-sex marriage and all these other cultural things that you maybe not don't approve of. Because Mm -hmm. guess what? The moment she leaves your house, she's going to be experiencing it in the world, and you're not preparing her for the real world. The real world is out there. I mean, it's like, seriously, I live in the middle of a city now. I'm going to college. I'm like, don't make somebody else do this. You know, why do I have to go to college now? Well, because nowadays they won't even look at your resume if you don't either have a college degree or multiple years of experience in whatever field you're trying to get a job in. You're not doing your kids favors. Anything that I didn't ask that, or just thoughts that you had in general that I missed? Um, I think just, you know, the coming out of it. I didn't come out of it until after I left the relationship I was in. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that the stay-at-home daughter movement is largely as ironic as this seems, it's largely influenced by the men. And while the women might see it as a good thing, I see so many examples of them being the ones that are coming out and then telling the stories of the abuse that goes on in them. And for Mm -hmm. me, that's a scary thing because whenever you start to oppress people's opinions and their goals in life and try to dictate how somebody else should live their life, whether it's your child or not, you're going to have to do that with some force. And I just think that people need to realize that it's not their life. I think we've gone over so much. You had so much good information. That's so cool. I think you probably need to write a book because I do. Yeah, I'm hoping to someday. (laughs) The crazy story, and you've got all these different facets of it. I'm like, I could talk to you all day about it. You totally should. Yeah, that would be so cool. Or even just like a podcast where you kind of talk about this kind of stuff. It would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Would be neat. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to do this. No, my pleasure. I'm glad I got to meet you and keep in touch. (laughs) Yes, we will do that for sure. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too.